We here at the Brothers in Law Podcast would like to wish you all a happy new year. We look forward to you experiencing only the best and highest of highs and hopefully avoiding all the lowest of lows. We hope that your 2020 is prosperous, productive, and successful from our family to yours. Happy New Year. Hey, what's going on, everybody? As always, this is your boy, Jesse McCoy, and I am joined, as always, by the world's foremost leading legal humorist, Sean Carter. How are you doing? Man, I am doing well. I'm I'm a little humbled to be on the line with you because you're doing some real stuff out here trying to help the people. I'm just writing Facebook posts. Uh, so go ahead and tell us about how you are, <laughs> are changing the world. And literally, because we've we got a big problem here with this public housing. Absolutely. So uh, for those of you who may not know, I've been engaged in doing litigation in the housing arena for at least seven of the 11 years I've been practicing law. Uh, and part of that was that I got into the game kind of representing people who are being uh, terminated from public housing. Uh, it's one of those areas where there aren't a lot of attorneys who really address it because public housing tenants typically don't have money to be able to afford an attorney. But uh, just because of my own personal upbringing and because the people who live in public housing largely look like me, uh, I always wanted to make myself available as a resource, be it when I was you know, a, a private land, uh, when I was a private uh, attorney or when I was working for legal aid or whatever the case may be. Uh, and what I started realizing in all of the cases that I was representing people on is there were some downright deplorable conditions that were going on in a variety of the uh, housing authority communities in my county. Uh, but this all came to a head uh, right after Thanksgiving. So there were three infant deaths in our biggest uh, public housing community, which is called McDougal Terrace or what people from Durham call the Mac. Um, and so in McDougal Terrace, there are three children that died all in the span of roughly about one month. And, you know, children just don't tend to drop dead out of nowhere. Right. So people, you know, started talking about how they've been complaining to the housing authority about, uh, you know, smelling gas or feeling sick and nauseous and going to the hospital. And somebody uh, went to the hospital and actually got tested for carbon monoxide and the test came back positive. So what happened was they presented this information to the housing authority. Of course, the property managers didn't really do anything about it. And then more and more people started testing positive for carbon monoxide. So that prompted the uh, CEO of the housing authority to team up with the fire department to go in and inspect just a small sample size of the units where these complaints had been coming from. And they did carbon monoxide detection, found out all of those units uh, had elevated levels of carbon monoxide. And so they issued a voluntary evacuation for residents in those units. Okay. Um, those residents evacuated since that time. They have finished and completed their search uh, of all of the units and testing for carbon monoxide in all the units. And what we've come to realize is apparently 61% of the units that they tested had elevated levels of carbon monoxide. So 
for the people who were living there, 61% of you guys were getting gassed. Uh, and what I'll say is it presents a unique issue and challenge. So Durham, much like a lot of affluent black uh, cities in the South, um, have this battle with gentrification going on. And these public housing communities really make up the bedrock of a lot of the black community, or at least what's left of the black community, because these were the places that people were driven into in the 50s and 60s during urban renewal when they were told to give up their house to the city and the city would rebuild for them once they finished making improvements and people <laughs> never got their stuff back. So they drove them into public housing and these places have been there, but these public housing uh, facilities are oftentimes located on prime real estate. And what I mean by that uh-huh. is in Durham, if you go downtown, downtown in 2020 looks vastly different from the downtown I grew up in. When I grew Absolutely. up here, Downtown was where you paid your water bill and got out of there clock so you didn't get robbed. Right. <laughs> now, now downtown is chic. They have art shows and, and hotels and multi-billion dollar mansions and stuff that people would never imagine. But it's starting to spread out beyond downtown. The next closest uh, public housing community that they haven't already started doing work in for the construction was McDougal Terrace. It's 300 families approximately 350 units. Um, and with that, this is kind of the fall one of public housing in, in Durham County, because if these people aren't allowed to go back into the property, then that place is going to be condemned. It's it's over. Right. Um, and on top of that, once the reporters came and got involved, they started doing all kinds of freedom of information requests. And now we're finding out that the, uh, DHA CEO and the board and the city council were aware that no public housing community in Durham County has passed an inspection in the past years. And when I say hasn't passed, uh, I know some of you all, you know, if you were like me, when you were in school, you know, you just wanted to get a 70, right? Like, like passing, passing for both of the inspections is 65, right? We were averaging 31. 31. Uh, and you can almost see how this all plays out in the sense that, you know, there are wealthier constituents and maybe even themselves who would like to invest in, you know, a prime real estate. If you can get the housing, a public housing shut down, because I don't know, maybe it's unsafe. You ship all these people out, and now you have prime real estate right next to the new arena, et cetera, and now you're set, right? And, and, and so it's like there's no one has an incentive to keep these projects going, particularly in that gentrification situation. But we've seen this all over the country, you know, and there have been you know, maybe some good reasons why um, public housing, you know, these large, large scale, like 300, you know, Cabrini Green, a thousand, right, unit facilities, you know, the, some of the problems that, that have been, you know, reported there – most cities are going away from that. They're moving to sort of more of a Section 8 model. What are they planning on doing with these 300 families that are now can't go back to their – or at least 180 of them can't go back to their apartments? Lots of them. Uh, so, so right now they got them in the Syndicate America or Syndicate America or something like that, right? But they cannot do that forever. These these families have been displaced. They've been placed at extended stay hotels all throughout the county. Um, and you got to think about the degree of disruption this is. So – most people who lived in McDougal Terrace lived there because it was downtown near a bus line. Mm-hmm. 
Right. Uh, they don't have transportation. So people are out in the boonies at this point. They have no way of getting back and forth for those people who do work. They can't get to work. For people who have kids who are in school, they've had to go and reroute the entire school system's transportation grid in order to ensure under our state law that they get those kids to school. Um, you also have to think about little things that we take for granted, like food. Um, right, right. You, you can't just get on the bus and go to the grocery store anymore. You don't live near a grocery store or you might not be aware of the area you're in. Right. So it's just trying to get people fed. And we've had some really good restaurants in the area that have stepped up and emphasized their um, position in the community by providing hot meals okay. to families all throughout the county. Um, I'm told that the governor has gotten involved and sent some emergency management teams in to try to address it similar to how they would address hurricane relief efforts. Um, but the thing about it is the, the explanation that keeps coming from the housing authority is, well, we're going to need another week. We got to do this. We got to do that. And, you know, we have to remember that the carbon monoxide is only the most recent habitability concern that has brought about the media. And well, so you're telling things. me that this wasn't a, a place of safety, security, and, and, and just a oasis before? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Um, well, I'll, I'll say it like this. Uh, two weeks before the first infant death, there was a sewage line leakage throughout the community that the kids were playing in. Oh. So that's, that's mild. Uh, we've also seen, uh, of course, rats, roaches, uh, we've also seen tubs, upstairs tubs that are actually sinking in through the downstairs floor. So people getting food out of the refrigerator are afraid that their tubs are going to fall on kids. Um, we've seen rampant growth of mold. Uh, we, we, you know, I don't even want to get into like the crime that, that was occurring in the area that the residents had been complaining about right. years because the crime wasn't people from McDougal. That was people who come to McDougal to do criminal stuff. Cause they know police ain't coming in there cause they're scared. Um, so it's, it's just so, so many, it, this is years and years and years of mismanagement. And the only reason why I got brought into this situation outside of my experience, um, is because I wanted to educate the community about how they can best advocate for themselves. Um, when you go over now, I, one, I've, I've been doing community service stuff in McDougal for years. You never see the turnout that you've seen in McDougal ever since this story broke. I went to do a session there for tenants' rights, and next thing I know, there's cameras in my face from WPD and all these different national outlets. You got Bernie Sanders on Twitter talking about it. You got Tom Steyer who flies into Durham to talk about it. Really? Um, yeah, it's, it's just a lot of stuff. And for me, like, I'm not really big on, to me, this feels like social media outrage, right, right? right? Like, this feels like, okay, this is the hot thing we want to talk about it. But for me, it's like, no, these people have families. They're dealing with, like, emergency issues. We don't need a fly-by-night person to come in and do a photo op and then leave. We need somebody with who can effectuate some degree of change. And for Tom Steyer to be a billionaire, I'm like, look. You do realize that a check from you changes all of this, right? Right, right. So, you know, we some I think people just got fed up. Um, the, the tenants have been led by this absolutely phenomenal uh, residence council 
president by the name of Ashley Kennedy. Uh, she's been doing a great job. She's made sure she had a seat at the table for all of the events. Uh, they had a community attorney for a while who was trying to make sure that the community's voice was enhanced. So, I mean, the community's doing a great job. And if anything, I'm trying to play more of a background role in helping them think through kind of what demands that they want to make of the housing authority now that they do have the media attention and now that they do have the ear of the governor and they do have some degree of a, a spotlight. Uh, I, I'm trying to get people to understand that the way media works is hot today, but there'll be another story tomorrow. So when people leave, what concrete tangibles did you come away with? Got it. And, you know, and we're talking about a story that sounds very Durham specific. It's actually that it's not. It's everywhere. Uh, in California, for instance, there's an increasing homeless, um, you know, crisis where, the, you know, as, as a brother said in running for New York mayor several years ago, the rents are just too damn high. Right. And as rents keep going up, you know, We've sort of outsourced public housing in in many states and and cities to, you know, Section 8. And as you know, most of you know, Section 8 is a situation where if you want to rent a place and and the landlord participates in Section 8, then you get subsidized rent. You pay 100, 200, 300, whatever dollars that you can pay, and then the market value of that property, the balance is paid by um, HUD. But HUD's calculations are oftentimes behind the time. They're, they're, you know, it's, it's very difficult for them to keep up, with, especially places where rents keep rising because of gentrification keep going up and up. And so eventually landlords figure, hey, I can rent this for way more than HUD will give me on, or on reimbursement. And so we're losing more and more Section 8 housing, which then creates a problem. And even if we did keep the same amount of Section 8 housing, there's like, what, a four-year um, usually waiting period well, to get the Section 8 housing. Absolutely. So if you become homeless tomorrow, uh, no one, for instance, can plan and say, you know, I think I'm going to be homeless in four years from now. Let me go ahead and get my paperwork in. Right. Right? And yeah. so we're just having this glut of people where I saw it in California, people living out of their cars. It's it's a nationwide issue, and it's only getting worse. And so this is going to be something we're going to be hearing more and more about. And hopefully the people of Durham will get, a, 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 you know, and the tenants, actually, because it's going to be, you know, the the people who really can make move this forward, but hopefully they'll move it forward to a point where it'll, it'll serve as a model for other places um, so that we don't see this re- repeating, especially, you know, it's horrible, you know, an infant death, right, for something like carbon monoxide poison. That's horrible. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and one of the things that I want people to understand, well, two things I want people to understand. So one, um, one of the big concerns that I hear every time I do a tenant's rights session is where's HUD? Where's HUD? Uh, HUD is supposed to provide the financing and oversight to the housing authorities. And people have been complaining to HUD for years. But, you know, I don't know if you all have seen HUD's leadership right now, <laughs> um, but they're they're busy campaigning. So uh, this isn't really a priority for HUD. And every news story you read about this, they say HUD cannot be reached for comment. I cannot um, believe you tell me that Uncle Ben Carson is not ready and <laughs> on the job. Come on, Uncle Ben. At least he's coming with some rice or something, right? Nah, nah, nah. He's not doing anything. He did not answer a phone call. <laughs> he's not answering four-year requests. Uh, so that's that's one aspect of it. HUD is not on their job and doing what it's supposed to do. Uh, the second part of this is, you know, when I when I I have a, a very unique perspective 
being the person that has kind of walked in both realms, right? So when I talk to my friends who are, you know, more affluent and work with me or more educated and they've got all this stuff going on for themselves, they oftentimes ask me, well, why should I care about people housing? And oftentimes it can be downright distasteful. They'll say things like, well, yeah, you got roaches, but, you know, you're living for free, which is a misnomer because people are paying rent for this. Thank but you, right. Anyway. Um, so one of the reasons why I feel like people should care about public housing is that public housing was a system that was created and designed by the government to provide for those who were unable to house themselves. So if you know anything about the Great Depression, the main beneficiaries of public housing initially were not black people. The main beneficiaries of public housing were white people who were either returning from war and didn't have a place to go or folks who had almost practically resorted to cannibalism because there was no jobs, no food, and they lost everything. So these people got these places set up. And once they were able to get back on their feet, then jobs moved out to the suburbs. They got houses. Everything went. And that's when the country really stopped caring about public housing. Right around 1968, when black people got a right to start living in it. So, (laughs) so. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that it was related to that. I'm just saying it's very unique work. Um, and so once the rollbacks happened throughout the 70s, 80s, cutting back in how much we finance public housing, you had these issues. The, the average public housing unit in Durham, North Carolina, was built in either 1949 or the 19, early 1950s. So these people are operating with technology that doesn't even exist. That's laughable right. at this point. And we should care because we are all part of one community. So if the government is willing to fail the people that rely on it the most, then what are we paying taxes for? Right? Like we all are paying for this. This is all affecting us. And if the government can fail one demographic within our populace, it could affect all of us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Those people, I guess, would say, no, they'll, they'll take care of me. And sadly, history probably proves, proves them right. Now, as far as trying to, you know, affect national change, I guess we do have something called an election coming up. And we had a big um, development, I guess, in the Democratic field and that it's official. The 46th president of the United States will not be African-American. Actually, that's not true. We know that the president in who was who is who is uh, inaugurated in 2021 will not be black. We know that, right? Right. Because Cory Booker, the last of the African Americans still left, is gone, and so now mm-hmm. we lost Kamala, Cory, um, even and we were adopting even little Julio, uh, Julian Castro. <laughs> he he <laughs> gone too. We we lost Julian too. He was half, at least half black. Um, so now we're down two and a half black people. It, it, it's looking very sad. But the question I have for you, Jesse, is how does this happen in the Democratic Party where the last seven contenders are white in the Democratic Party? Um, well, I, I think the Barack Obama situation was an anomaly. I think this is this is the America we've always seen. I remember <laughs> when Michael Dukakis was <laughs> who was. But here's the thing about it: is as early back as is nineteen what eighty four, we had at least Jesse, you know, in the top five. Like he was, you know, like you know, he finished in the, you know, he got to the American Idol, you know, TV part. You know, we got brothers now who's not even making it past Hollywood week. 
how did, did this happen where, you know, think about even Sharpton, I think, might have made it to the top seven. You know, we've gotten really slim here. Um, Sharpton, for instance, I can tell you, made it to South Carolina, right? He got votes mm-hmm. in the South Carolina primary. Uh, Cory Booker couldn't do as well as, as Sharpton? I mean, Cory Booker's not black enough, right? Okay. Sharpton was too black. <laughs> <laughs> right, right? We like our black lukewarm, right? So, right, right. We, so this is the thing. Everybody, in, you know, and I want to give kudos to the media because I really think they torpedoed all the black candidates really from jump. <laughs> uh, but Kamala Harris got hemmed up in a way that I've never seen people get hemmed up for being in the prosecutor's office. Typically, if you come out of a prosecutor's office, you are insulated by government people who understand that you are tough on crime. You're going to be about justice. You're going to be this. You're going to be that. And she had to deal from the day that she declared her candidacy. Sharks came for her every which way. Well, you are you putting black people in jail. You a cop. You this, you that. So, to the point that the media didn't even have to run additional stories after that first week. We ran them. Like, we talked about ourselves. We were like, oh, she's too much of a cop. Oh, she's a prosecutor. She's trying to throw everybody in jail. Oh, you can't claim to be progressive now. Oh, you want to be the president now. What, you want to throw more of us in jail? That's the angle that we took. So I think Kamala was a stronger candidate than Cory Booker was. Right. I think Cory Booker lost me personally when he tried to tie the futures of black America into the futures of everybody in America with that a rising tide. Right, right. <laughs> We've heard that that's, that's Reaganomics in reverse. I don't want to deal with that anymore. Um, so I wanted somebody who's going to come out with a black agenda and, and so I don't now feel like Biden? No, 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 no. I, I haven't gone Biden at all. Uh, if anything, I'm like, okay, well, I might not be able to get a black agenda, but I, I damn sure can get these student loans paid off. <laughs> he warned. Let's go see. <laughs> well, you know, and, and that's the thing that, that's amazing to me, though. And I almost understand. I'm going to give Warren a little, um, you know, uh, will be worth for it, a little grace here in the sense that it's her first time running. But Bernie, I'm like, how do you do it twice? Well, Bernie, last time, the only reason he didn't get the nomination is because black folks, right? Black folks were like, hey, I'm Hillary. I don't know you, Bernie. Right? I'm just going to go with, you know, I know her husband. He plays a saxophone. We're going to go with her. <laughs> and you think in the four years between them, Bernie would have, like I said before, converted to the Nation of Islam. He would, you know, he would, he, he'd be out there, you know, with bean pies. And, you know, he'd have to go that far. He's already Jewish. He didn't have to, he, you know, he already gave a pork. Right? He didn't have to even, you know, he was good. And he didn't even make a step toward black people. I'm like, really? You know, you, if you lost the last election because you didn't get any black votes, you think you would have wanted to get six this time. Right? And it's like, in his policies, for the most part, are actually they're not pro-black. They're just actually pro-poor people, right? Which works better for black people, right? You know, or there's, you know, there's some black people, right? It's a general rule. And so it's like he had good policies, but he just didn't ever seem to reach out. And now we have all candidates who have all said, I'm not giving those Negroes anything. And that's really sort of the way you stayed in the, in the race so far is by is by ignoring black people and saying it's just, you know, it's economics. It's just class. It's not race. And I'm imagining that, you know, people like Julian Castro, who had a whole plan, right, for black America, gone. Uh, Kamala, Kamala, who had a plan, tried to come up with a plan for black America, gone. 
Corey, who didn't have a plan for black America, but at least he had a plan for, you know, his homie who, who got shot and, you know, had poor lookout for. Um, <laughs> and so at least he was going to try to hang out with Newark. But now we got a situation where we have seven white candidates, all of whom have been clearly stated that, you know what, um, uh, black people, you on your own. And now we're going to choose between one of them, and currently we're choosing Biden. The Root did an interesting story today. When I say today, I mean January 14th, where, you know, basically they kind of came after Biden. And then I looked at the comments, and black people had some interesting reasons as to why we're supporting Biden. I was impressed because none of us are stupid. At least in the comments I saw, no one was saying, oh, Biden has it in, you know, his best interest is for black people. Biden loved black people, right? It was more like Biden is most likely to win. And we really just need to get rid of Trump. I mean, so the way I feel about it is I feel like if we vote, for whoever wins the Democratic nomination, right, they can right, right. win. Like, you know, I, I think I think people have a certain degree of comfort when they know that a white man is in charge. Unfortunately, right. <laughs> and I feel like you know people don't want to give uh, the white woman a chance. Right, uh, and don't. if it comes down to white men, it's going to be down to Bernie Sanders or Biden, and people aren't willing to be as radical as Bernie Sanders. They think Biden. I think Biden looks like the presidents of old. Right. Well, so well, like, there's but, definitely that. But part of it, and I got to tell you, you know, I, I don't know, I've been like you were like, come on, people, you know, this, we, we, you know electable is what we make it. Right. But, we're not going to convince these white people. But here's the thing that's kind of interesting, though, is that I, I, there might be something to it because and who taught me this is Trump. Trump is terrified of Biden. Mm. He is trying to take him out so much. Think about it. He's committing impeachable offenses, not to try to get dirt on Buttigieg. Buttigieg. He ain't worried about Mayor Pete. He ain't worried about Elizabeth Warren, right? He's not worried about anybody but Biden. Right. And something lets me know, you know, he's got his racist radar. He, he got some good, you know, racist dar, right? He, he, he's on point. And he seems to understand, you know, what's, what's in the heart of some of these, these white people. And, and, and Trump, I think, gets it that, you know, the people who voted for him last time might not have been so excited about him, but they wanted a white man in office. A right. old white man, one they used to, right? And so he's trying to keep the Democrats from having that. Right. Well, and I mean, so maybe, maybe, maybe you know, they're, 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 they're going to be right. But we're certainly not going to get a lot of progress. Well, you know, I'll say this. I mean... <laughs> I think if Joe Biden can learn how to not put his foot in his mouth every two seconds when it comes nope, to impossible. regulation, uh, <laughs> and I don't know, like at this point, you know, when somebody makes a mistake, you got all kinds of professionals. I don't know for people who might not be familiar with how campaigns work, it's not just you. <laughs> you got you got professionals who are writing speeches for you, people who are sitting here giving you bullet points that you need to talk about. And trying to keep you on message. That right. is the theme for your campaign. Stay on message, right? The fact that he wings it and he goes in a different direction that always ends up with his foot in his mouth is problematic to me. Like the first time it's like, okay, maybe he's nervous. All right. But when it happens every single time, it's like, no, these are dog whistles. Like at some point you're trying to let the people that you want to vote for you, those folks who will ordinarily be voting for Trump, uh-huh. let them know, I see you. Right. And I'm throwing this out there. So you will love me and come over to my side and vote for me. You know, I'm not going to be crazy like Trump. 
Absolutely. But I'm still going to make sure your interests are protected. There you go, right? I'm make sure, you know, if you're union blue collar, you know, we still can keep the blacks out of the union for you. We right, still right. handle all that for you. And, 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 and the thing about it is also, you know, going to make sure, you know, we protect, you know, all, all the stuff that, you know, has been protected for you before. It, it's horrible. Um, but I can, I can see, you know, the strategy. I think black people are, and always so, we're very pragmatic people. And for, for good reason, right? It's not like, you know, you, you can get in a lot of trouble with a black person being particularly optimistic, right? And, 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 you know, and a risk taker, right? And so I don't know about you, but I growing up, I was always taught, you know what you need to get? You need to get you a good job with benefits. Right. Right. What do you think when I, when I told my parents I was going to leave my good job with benefits and a title and all that <laughs> and, and go tell jokes to lawyers? Think they were like, yeah, you do it, Sean. You can do it. No, they were black parents. I mean, you know, they were like, hey, what's wrong with you? Are you crazy? Right. right? <laughs> it's like, you know, and I'm not mad at him. I got it. You know, it's like, we, we, you know, we fought so hard to get to these positions, right? That, you know, to get to the, you know, the, the status quo or, you know, just, you know, lower and middle class jobs that, you know, the idea that you want to, you know, stay here for a while. And so pretty much, you know, we're, we're, we're going to be, you know, a, a little more conservative in this regard. Now, you and I might have some interesting um, opportunities coming up uh, as far as um, your boy, uh, Andrew Gillum. Absolutely. Absolutely. The the rumor is that he is uh, being vetted or at least uh, looked into for possible vice presidency or I should say running mate status Absolutely. for Elizabeth Warren. Um, so uh, that's exciting. And well, anyway, I mean, this is the foreign's going to need it. You know, I think everyone understands that they got to get black people out to the polls. Absolutely. They figure Biden probably figures he can do it himself, right? Because he's got, you know, <laughs> Obama come out there for him, right? And, you know, and, and pretend to be his VP, right? For, 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 for right. a while. <laughs> you know, now Mayor Pete, interestingly enough, and he's had his problems. Think about Mayor Pete's having problems with Michael Harriet, right? He can't even get past the route, right? Nevertheless, he's right. a black voter, right? <laughs> But, but Mayor Pete actually the other day pulled, pulled, pulled one and got my boy, my law school roommate, Anthony Brown, to endorse him, the, um, you know, a representative of the former lieutenant governor. So he used to be Michael Steele, right? Before, my, you know, after Michael Steele, <laughs> Michael Steele part two. Um, he was, you know, lieutenant governor of Maryland, um, was probably the biggest, you know, endorsement that Buttigieg has been able to get so far. I suspect that he, you know, that if it comes to it, unless he gets a bigger endorsement, he's going to, Buttigieg's going to need a black running mate mm. badly, right? Mm. Uh, just to, just to, just, just to satisfy Michael Harriet, if nobody else. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and so it's like, you know, you and I might have, I might have to, I have said so much about that white boy. I, I, I'm going to have to come back and pretend like I never said it. <laughs> and I will. I will be acting like, what you talking about? I love me some Mayor, Mayor, Mayor Pete. What are you talking about, Mayor Pete? <laughs> we boys, we've been back. I've been, I've been back. I'm, I'm obviously going to delete some Facebook posts. Um, but, but it's, it's not behind me to lie about it. Um, and I will because if I, if I get my boy, you know, on Air Force Two, I'll hey, ride Air Force Two. I'll ride it. See, so this, this is the amazing part to me. What other podcast? Well, I shouldn't say that. Besides, besides Ely and, <laughs> and all the people on MSNBC and CNN, do y'all know where both of the hosts are essentially a heartbeat away from the <laughs> vice president of the United States, or at least the Democratic you know, nominee running mate? There how, we go. How many? So, you know, the price just went up for sponsors. 
Uh, <laughs> this monster coming. I practically feel like we president and vice president of the United States. Now, now, to, now, why we're doing this is actually a debate going on in which they're just basically doing the same thing they did the other six times. Right. <laughs> but the thing I think people are sleeping on is Bloomberg. And I saw an ad for him yesterday. Now, Bloomberg has been is, is doing an interesting strategy. Bloomberg is forgetting all the debates. He's not trying to qualify him. He doesn't even want to be up there with all those other candidates. But even now, I saw it during yesterday's national title game. Bloomberg is running television ads in the mm. Super Tuesday states. He's going to skip the first four, Iowa, New Hampshire, uh, Nevada, and South Carolina. Right. But, and he, and, but, he's, but he's trying to get, by just TV, no debates or anything, the Super Tuesday states. And by the way, we're talking about, just, just so we understand, um, you know, we, we're talking about uh, Alabama, Arkansas, California, right? Well, that's a fifth of the electoral prize. Colorado, Maine, Massachusetts, Minnesota, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, Vermont, Virginia. I forgot, but that's like 40 to 45% of, 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 the, of the votes on that mm-hmm. day. And so if you win those states, you're in the thing, regardless of what you do anywhere else, right? right? Because this is where all the, 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 the delegates are. And Bloomberg is, remember, he's got his own money to do this. Nobody else can afford right now to run a campaign in 15 states. But if you're a billionaire, literally, he was like, I'm just going to chip off $600 million. And it's, it's, it's like you and I peeling off a 20. <laughs> it's nothing because he's not that Trump. I, 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 you know, I'm pretend to be rich, right? Yeah. And this is a guy that I believe, and I'm looking at people. I believe his net worth is thirty billion, Ooh. right? So imagine if I'm sorry, I'm wrong. Sixty billion. He literally took off one percent of his money mm-hmm. to run for president. <laughs> How did he make that money? I'm curious. What did he do before he was mayor? Boy, he didn't make it mayor for sure. He, he started this. He started Bloomberg Financial Services, oh, the, 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 the CNN, Bloomberg. right? Okay. For Bloomberg, which I love this, by the way. It's not even like, for instance, that they do investing, right? They just simply, you know, tell people, you know, how the stocks are doing, right? Right. But they built this media in, 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 in empire, sixty, fifty-eight point four billion dollars, right? Oh, and yeah. so, you know, when you got that kind of money, you can, and so we're sleeping on Bloomberg. Nobody's talking about him. But if television ads are effective, and that that is an interesting question. In the past, that would have been a, a, a yes. But I don't know about you, but uh, when's the last time you seen? The only reason I saw that to add is because I happen to be watching a national championship game. Right, right. I don't watch any TV shows. Right, I'm I'm, I'm streaming. Right, like anybody else. Right, I'm binging and streaming, and so I would have never seen Bloomberg. Right, had it not been for watching that one game. So maybe he won't be able to buy the election. Um, but if anybody can, a brother with sixty billion might be able to. <laughs> and remember, Bloomberg was like sort of Giuliani two point oh in the stop and frisk. Uh it could be nineteen sixty four back up in here again if right. Bloomberg gets in, he ain't gonna be thinking about us. Right. Right. Well, you know, I don't know. I'm I'm hoping that if you had asked me before twenty sixteen if I thought the American people were going to vote for somebody just based on commercials during sports events, <laughs> I'd have been like, absolutely not. But then that's Trump. And <laughs> Trump is asking, I, I don't really know. Uh, perhaps this is the wave of the future for elections. But well, no, but see, that's the thing that's crazy to me is it's like I'm still saying because you know, Trump's trying to raise all this money for commercials. I'm like, why? 
why would you need a commercial? If somebody only saw you by a commercial, they, they, they're not, they, they can't make it to the polls. Right? They're so out of it. Right, they're not yeah. even gonna know their own name. Nevertheless, to be able to vote for you, like right. you know, Trump is so much on the American. I don't know why he's running any ads. Right, I wouldn't. If I was him, I wouldn't even campaign. Like, I, I, you know who I am, right? Everybody knows who Trump is. It's, it's like when I see you know a commercial for milk. I'm like, milk, really? Who, who's in there? Like, ooh, what's milk? Like, you know the damn milk. You either want it or not, right? Who, 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 I don't need to be convinced to buy milk, right? And I feel like Trump is like, you either like him or not. But the idea that he's out there trying to, you know, convince you to win your vote, I'm like, you should be decided by now. I mean, this is my thing. The fact that he is even a viable candidate, he just got impeached. Like, <laughs> like the impeachment means nothing. Senate is going to do whatever they want to do to make this go away or at least not have it affect them in the midst of campaigning. Um, And he's out here like he literally was getting ready to go to war with Iran right after being impeached and awaiting trial. And yet he's still campaigning like like he's still like. Hey, you know, well, that was part of his campaign, as we're starting to find out now, right? There are no security concerns about Soleimani. Right. You know, he's simply figuring that, hey, the Republicans in the, in the Senate will appreciate me dropping some bombs on brown people. They, you know, they like that, and I need to make sure I get their votes. And so I'm going to go ahead and drop some brown, brown bombs on brown people, and it's going to be fine. And the worst part is, so far, he's right. Yeah. Um, now, you know, now one thing I think that happened that was strange to us as far as black people is that normally when war breaks out, we're, we're trying to earn our American cred and we think every war is going to be the one that gets us full status, right? Mm-hmm. And so All we, right. we can't wait to sign up. And literally I looked at it, like every war since the civil war, black people have had like higher enlistment rates, right? We're, we're there. Uh, I, I don't know about how it's working at the recruiter's office, but I know on the Facebook, every brother I know is posting something to Iran. Like, look, <laughs> Iranians, uh, that's between white people and y'all, right? We, you know, don't come to Detroit. We fine with y'all. Right. Um, I'm, I, I gotta tell you, I, I got me the Rosetta Stone, uh, tapes for Farsi, the language of Iran. I'm, I'm gonna learn me some, some, some Farsi, all right? I'm, I'm, I'm team, you know, uh, Ayatollah, right? I, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not fighting for, for, for America, but, 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 but damn thing. And, and I do see black people sort of, you know, I think the Trump thing was, was, was a major blow. I don't know, but I think to you as well, but certainly to me where, you know, any rah-rah gung-ho feelings I had, uh, I was like, no, 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 y'all, y'all replaced my, my beautiful president with an intelligent, refined, right, sophisticated, honest, and, you know, uh, integrity president with, uh, a goat. Right. Uh, <laughs> then you know what? Uh, you know, you show me what you think about, about, about black folks. Right, <laughs> and so y'all on your own, all right. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm just waiting for 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 you know Wakanda to get their immigration program together, and I'm gone. Well, these are some you know some things that I noticed about this whole Iran situation. Mm-hmm. I think first off, it is unheard of to me to hear about a an actual foreign diplomat, like somebody who's actually somebody in the government. See, this this isn't just like a murder. This this is assassination. <laughs> like like you, I can't imagine. Could you imagine the the, the you know somebody from the Department of Defense, the Secretary of Defense, 
getting murdered in a neutral third party country. It would be right? like somebody taking out Rumsfeld or or Powell, right? right? And, and by the right. way, I love the fact that if they had done it to us, it's it's on. It's World War Three. Oh, oh yes, they getting bombed tonight. Right. But this got orchestrated, and you know, this happened. I told him makes a statement. After he makes the statement, they had the funeral, and the funeral procession is a million people, the whole country, right, comes out in support of this guy. Then they say we're gonna fight back. They sent 18 missiles to a, um, a United States base in Iraq, called in advance to let them know that the missiles are coming, so the place could be empty. And it just seems like it was all for show. The other thing is when Donald Trump, as soon as the report came out that Suleiman was killed. Donald Trump had the unmitigated gall, the audacity to tweet an American flag as if he took a poll and we all supported this measure. So he tweets the American flag like he's proud of this. Um, We sit here trying to figure out what's going on. Then he tells us this lie about, well, you know, he was uh, getting ready to do some real bad stuff to a whole bunch of people. Uh So then you get the information. (laughs) No real bad stuff. There are no plans of what he was going to do. It was all made up. This is him just playing God with somebody else's life and country. Uh, and, and you know, you would think there'd be outrage. And well, think about it, Jesse. You, 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 you sound like you white now. When does the, <laughs> when does the government not do that? You know how many people we done taken out, right? The CIA done taken out, right? We done taken out everybody's leaders, right? Yeah. And yeah. what cracks me up about, not cracks me up, it's actually sad and tragic, is that if someone did, right, what we do regularly to other people, we would have a fit. Right. For example is Ukraine. Ukraine has an interesting little footnote here. But Ukraine, you know, we, we were offering Ukraine to be able to join NATO. NATO is, remember now, Ukraine used to be part of the Soviet Union. That would have been like someone coming and saying, hey, you know what, um, Puerto Rico, you want to be part of the Russian uh, Federation? Go ahead and put some missiles in there. Or how, how about you, um, uh, uh, Mexico? We go ahead and put some Russian missiles, missiles in Mexico. You know how much we would freak? <laughs> right? We almost started World War Three of the Cuban Missile Crisis, right, when they yeah. tried to put missiles in Cuba. We don't want no missiles nowhere near us, but we want the Russians to be like, yeah, go ahead and put all your bases just all up in my backyard, in my old country. Right, and then we'd right. be surprised when the Russians act, 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 act a fool. And by the way, you know, the interesting thing is the only people who suffered real fatalities here were somehow a Ukrainian airliner mm. got shot by, by the, the Iranian missiles. I'm sure it's just a coincidence that Russia's chief adversary had their plane shot down by their proxy in the Middle East, Iran, as a result of this deal. I'm sure that has nothing to do that, – that's just total accident. It could happen to anybody. <laughs> But, you know, you see how it's just, you know, strong men playing sort of their games. You know, we're mad at Iran and say, oh, they use proxies to fight their wars for them. Yeah. That, that's what we did for 50, 60 years against the Russians. What we're doing now. You, you mentioned earlier, I love the fact that how the staging ground for all of our battles is Iraq. Right. 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 Not even a country we in, right? Think about it. You know, the Iranians bomb Iraq base. We assassinate the guy in Iraq. None of that stuff gets anywhere near us or Russia, right? right? We, we right. fight our battles in, you know, in the Middle East, and then we're, like, mad that, you know, they might use Hezbollah. 
Right, and then Iraq is like, can y'all please leave our country? Because every time y'all come over, y'all be messing up. We we like that cousin that just got out of jail that's saying, what you did, he get back on his feet? Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love this, though, because they said to us, you know, we brought democracy there, so they voted for us to leave. And we said, uh, nah, bro. <laughs> nah, man. You going to eat that? <laughs> man, I tell you, man, you know, man, we, we, we are like – you know, some brother like you. We also we almost like we like the person. We actually we the jail bird brother who came right. back, and now you want to go, and, and he and won't go nowhere. It's my cell. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and sit down when you pee. I know right, we're, right. We're, we're, we're ridiculous. Now as we move a little closer back to the U.S., but still up over in, in Europe, we got to talk about Mexit or the um, the soon to be departure. Of, of from the EU, not of of uh, of England from the EU, or not of Scotland from you know from from the the United Kingdom, but Meghan and Harry are getting the hell out of the monarchy. Meghan Markle, aka Meghan the Stallion, <laughs> uh, is running quickly. Uh, so this story struck me as hilarious for a couple reasons. Reason number one is. Uh, I have gathered from the interviews that I've seen that Meghan Markle may not necessarily be happy uh, <laughs> in the royal family. And it's really odd to me because being part of the royal family means that you get to be filthy, incredibly rich. So I don't quite understand some of the stuff that she claims is so difficult. But then again, <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a black man from the South. So, <laughs> so I guess racism looks different to me. Well, uh, and, and that is the thing is, you're right. You you not been a, you haven't been a pretty white woman for the first the last first last right. thirty years. That's your problem. <laughs> All right, because you know Meghan Markle, as as many of you know, um, is is biracial. Depending upon the day and the makeup and the lighting, uh, <laughs> she could pass for Italian, right? Maybe a, you know a little Armenian. You know, she she could definitely pass for off white. Right at, at, at the very least, and you know she's running around Hollywood doing doing her thing. She got to Britain, and I think the problem was, in fairness to her, she didn't realize two things. One, um, the Britons uh, that's white. We think we have white people in America. No, no, no. They got the real white people. All right, this is all white. This is clear white, translucent white, white, white. <laughs> we got off white and you know some beiges I don't know they got nothing but white right they got so white that you go redhead right you you backwards right you you know and and the thing that's amazing is is that I think she thought oh, I'll pass there and she couldn't pass well she first of all she couldn't pass because she had a wedding and had a black mom at it right mm -hmm. and so you knew they they knew from the beginning right that she was she was black and they have been dogging her in the press now in part that's what the British tabloids do. That's the whole reason you have them is to talk shit about the royals. Right. They call Lady Di a hoe, right? A slut. Um, they 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 call Fergie, you know, trailer trash, right? You, you inbred hillbilly, right. which is actually what a British royal is, right? An inbred <laughs> hillbilly. But they were mad, so you know they were going to talk about her black ass. But here's the difference: is that remember you have Meghan, who's married to younger brother Prince Harry. And then you have Kate Middleton, who is married to older brother William, and she's seeing the difference in, in, in tabloid headlines. And I'm just going to read a couple of these for you. The Daily Mail, I, um, <laughs> in 2018, when Kate is having a baby, 
they write, oh, pregnant Kate tenderly cradles her baby bump while wrapping her royal duties ahead of maternity leave. Right? Mm-hmm. Megan, a year later, is pregnant. And the headline is, why can't Meghan Markle keep her hands off her bump? Experts tackle the question that has nation talking. Is it pride, vanity, or acting? Now, it was Craitlin <laughs> when, when it was Kate. But now, it is, it, it, it's horrible. This is my favorite one, though. This would crack me up. They had an article about the flowers at the weddings. Mm-hmm. At, so at Kate's wedding, why, why you can always say it with flowers. Oh, flowers are beautiful. You should have them all the time. They're wonderful. Here's the headline for Meghan's wedding. How Meghan Markle's flowers may put Princess Charlotte's life at risk. <laughs> the flowers are wonderful when, when, when the real white girl did it, but when the, 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 the not quite off-white girl does it, you go kill the princess, right? And it's just been time and time again and Megan, I apparently we've been here. Eventually, said, "You know what? I'm done with this." Now, Jesse, I think your point is the same as mine. And once again, maybe we 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 older and, and a lot blacker, you know, at least you know, at least in skin tone uh, than 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 uh, Megan. Uh, I'm sorry, the, the royal formerly known as Princess Megan. Right. Um, but because you and you and I, um, we like uh, that old racism you got. <laughs> No pitchforks? No burnt crosses? Thank you. Yeah, really. <laughs> you know, I I don't know. I, I'm, I'm trying to wrap my mind around it because I'm like, you know, one of the benefits of being rich in America is people talk trash about rich people all day, but you, you're rich. <laughs> Thank you, right? You don't have to care. Uh, ain't nobody tell Kevin Hart to do a documentary. Like, ain't nobody <laughs> <laughs> He could have did nothing, and he still would have been rich. And that's oh. fine. <laughs> and I've been hearing a bunch of trash talked about him in the documentary, right? No, yeah. <laughs> and you think he care? I guarantee you Kevin ain't giving a damn right now, right? Right. Absolutely. He, he, he recognizes his Lamborghini or something, but he ain't thinking about about whether I'm mad at him, right? right. And, you know, now here's the thing about interest. So, there's some people have been telling me all day, look, Sean, you know, you're not getting it. Maybe Prince, Prince Harry wanted to do this. He wanted to get rid of, you know, this monarchy because it killed his mama, right? The paparazzi. And, you know, he's very, he's got PTSD. I keep hearing that, right? I love mm-hmm. the fact that it's all white people. White people love to, to throw away around P- PTSD. Okay. All right. Now, I don't know about you, but, 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 but for the stuff they talk about, uh, every black person, should have you know, not just PTSD, but PTSDEFXQYZ, right? We should get some extra letters on our stuff because I don't know what you're talking about. You know, they talking about you know, I, I my, someone parked in my parking space. I got PTSD. All right, but apparently Prince Harry might want to make this change. Now the thing that's interesting is Megan leaves. Says I'm out of here, going to Canada. <laughs> I, I love how she yeah, was smart enough not to bring her black ass back here to America where she gets real racism. So I'll go to Canada. <laughs> Prince Harry is back there trying to negotiate how much of that royal money he can keep. Right. And it's funny because they kind of have a thing where they want to have the cake and, you know, the wedding cake and eat it too. Like everybody does. But they're like, look, you know what? You give us money for stipends to go to all this stuff, and we, we're fine. You can keep that. We don't want that stuff. But um, these, this money, that I'm worth $25 million. But none of this property really in my name, but you know, as the as the duke I get to have it under under granny, and granny worth five hundred mil, and I like to keep my portion of granny's five hundred mil. 
Right. And they're kind of like, hey, you know what? You you got Megan? You good? <laughs> and he's like, uh, no, nah, you don't understand. She she did okay. She made a little money you know, in that show, but uh, she got $5 million. We won't make it through the summer, right? We, with this kind of money, we need some real money up in here, right? <laughs> it is going to be interesting to see, you know, how much you're able to deal with this as far as I can see, you know, depends upon how much of a hard ball, you know, the queen wants to play. She's like, hey, you know what? Um, you know, if you ain't the Duke of Earl, right? Then you gonna be, you ain't getting any Duke of Earl money. Uh, it makes sense to me. Right, <laughs> exactly, right? You be out there singing a song, but you ain't gonna have no money, right? It's like, uh, <laughs> and, and, and so we'll see what happens with Meg. But it's interesting. Once again, it comes back to sort of black people. And we're getting white people. I'm a little warning you here. We get a little, we get a little chippy. All right. We used to take some good racism and, and not even, not even take, not even, not even, not, not even really even, you know, blink. Right. You you think about it. I love the fact Jackie Robinson. You know, talking about being, you know, this is how old school racism was. He was playing, and the fans were booing him at games. Uh, the home team fans, his fans. Right. <laughs> Fans were cheering for the people who were wearing the uniform he wearing, right? We're booing him, right? And he just sat there and be like, yep, I'll, I'll go ahead because I'm going to make it good. Next thing you know, Reggie Jackson will make it all right 40 years from now. Right. And black people, we don't have that long-term sister span. If we don't think you're going to make it right uh, by next Tuesday, um, then, then we get a little different attitude about stuff. Because I, I thought she should have maybe stuck it out. And black people were like, the hell with that. We ain't going to stick out nothing anymore. We're going to quit. Well, if you can, because I ain't quitting nothing. Well, you know who I blame in this situation. Who are you going to blame? I, I blame her mom. Okay. I blame her mom, and I'm going to tell you why. Um, her mom, beautiful woman, we also heard at the wedding, mm-hmm. but her mom was born in Cleveland, Ohio in the 50s. And if you know anything about Cleveland, y'all saw what they did when LeBron decided he wanted to take his own life into his hands and go to Miami, right? And they, and they rioted. And that's, two, that's 2010, right? Exactly, right? <laughs> that's 2010. The racism in Cleveland is very deep. Uh, so if if her mom left Cleveland to go to Hollywood, right, mm-hmm. you knew – what was going on? You know about racism. Absolutely. You're supposed to teach your daughter how this is going to work. You're supposed to give her tools to be able to, to defend against it. But the main reason why people rail against racism so hard is because most of us don't have any option but to deal with it. Right, like, right. Your, your boss is racist. What, you going to do, quit? Right? Like, right. you still got bills. You know, uh, your, your, the, the person who drives your bus is racist. Like, the, everybody is going to be racist. So right. if we just got mad and shut down because there was some racism involved, then we wouldn't get anything done. It's levels to this. In the South, we have learned this. There are levels. There are some people who are racist to the point that they're going to be playing dress up at nighttime and burning crosses in the Right. Night, right. There are other people who still do that, but then they put on a police badge in the daytime yeah, and they right. go to work. Right. <laughs> so, so and what we want to do is we want to make sure that we're not having a mental breakdown when somebody says something racist just right. because it's in a newspaper. And on top of that, I don't, you know, given that you've told, told me now about British tabloids, right? right? I don't even know if I can just unilaterally say it's racist. I feel like, yeah, it's a twinge of racism in there. But if they talk about royals anyway, like Diana wasn't black. They talked about her like a dog. Fergie ain't black. 
they talk about her like if if their thing is talking about royals, then I feel like at some point you're supposed to enjoy your money, go on your fabulous trips all around the world. Right. Your money, your money is dirty anyway because it comes from colonialism and exploitation. That's neither here nor there. Um, so I feel like that's what you're supposed to do. And and what I hope doesn't happen is that she does something that she feels like is a good idea, but ends up costing them all the little money they got. I heard that <laughs> uh, Prince Harry was trying to make some ends with Bob Iger down in Disney, so he could right. get her set up with some voice work. Um, but I, you know, I don't know, and I and I can see Megan's point because you know, as somebody who has been raised by black women, been around black women, love black women my entire life. Uh, I feel like Megan had this thing decided eight months ago, right? Okay, right. Black Woman Act, typically, she done made her decision up 12 months ago. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, 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 she I agree. I agree. It wasn't last Tuesday. I agree. Right. I agree. <laughs> right. So I don't know if Harry is, like, just trying to save face and say, look, I, I want to make it work with my wife, but let me send my lawyers in to talk to Grandma to, you know, make sure it's not over, over. Like, it's just, just it's just me, you know, I'm going to go parlay in Canada for a little bit, but Keep the money flowing in, yeah, and I and, feel and like I'm, you don't have the power to do that. This maybe is grandma's this money. A, a warning for, for for white men out there. Um, I know the sisters are looking, you know, uh, enticing. Uh, I was, right. was going to say the term delicious, but that may be a little too. Uh, but, but, but they're that too. Um, but you do understand. Uh, you might get a little sprung. Uh, cause right. Prince Harry is like, you know what? The hell with the monarchy. Prince my ass. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm gonna follow the goody goody. And uh, damn, that's some goody goody. Uh, um, <laughs> damn, were you willing to walk away from, from being a prince? Uh, and, because remember, this thing I love about it is, is like, we act like, you know, Megan didn't meet, right, a girt holder that was working in her daddy's restaurant, like coming to America, right? Mm-hmm. And then she found out he was principal. He had, he was, he was living like, remember the Princess of where he had royal wipers and, and, and how the royal penis was clean? Right. That was Harry on every Tuesday. Right? That's <laughs> how Harry was living. And somehow he was like, you know what? I, I, I'm going to give up all that. I'm giving the royal wipers because I know she ain't wiping his ass. I know that. All right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm giving it all up, right, for 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 for, for Megan. So uh, so white boys, you you might just want to leave it as a fantasy because I'm not sure you can handle. All right, that's smoke. That that's serious. Just hey, man. Well, you know he he's doing what you know a lot of people are are happy to see. Like I've seen. All kinds of posts from sisters of all people on Facebook talking about, see, that's how you show love. That's how you show love. And then it's always a response or a retweet from, from a black man that's like, okay, so you show love by walking away from all your money. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, I, I had that conversation and somebody pulled my wife into it. And it was like, you know, if, you, if people were talking about your wife, would you leave? And she got on like, oh, you're not without his damn job. He ain't. <laughs> he, ain't, he ain't no good here without no damn money. Right. Um, you got your damn mind. I can I can deal with you know people talking crazy about me. I just you know I, I just close Facebook. Right. And like right. you know, <laughs> for thirty million dollars, I can get rid of Facebook. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and certainly think about it. You certainly get rid of your newspaper subscription. I don't know why you got one in the first place. I never right. got read those headlines anyway. Right. Um, and so you know, it, it'd be interesting. But fortunately, um, you know, that's not. I guess we can come back to 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 America. We got a couple of American issues. One we got to deal with, and this is of course this is going to be something I think that's going to be promising—a good news, feel-good story. The town of Evanston, Illinois, 
is the first town to officially set up reparations for black folks. Yay! Evanston. One down, 20,000 towns to go. We we make it progress. And Evanston has decided that what they're doing is they're siphoning off the weed money. In January, marijuana became legal in uh, Illinois. Right, so all the states. So Everson is is is, is, is uh, levying an additional three percent uh, tax for all of its weed distributors, and now they are going to. They think they're going to bring in anywhere between five hundred thousand, seven hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. Right. Now they're still not sure what to do with it, with black people. Right, they don't know exactly, you know, who to give it to, and so they're thinking about maybe they'll put the money aside for skills training, down payments if you want to buy a home in Evanston, right, as a black person, and but. I got to tell you why I think it's promising, and we got to push for this as black people. I think, matter of fact, we should maybe push one of the seven candidates left. Okay. We should get the weed money. Okay. Our indigenous brothers and sisters got the got the gambling money. We should get the weed money. All right. First of all, we don't all went to jail for selling it. All right. So we certainly should be getting <laughs> some of that back. We didn't earn it, right? We we were the first dispensaries, right? Pookie okay. and Ray Ray were the first dispensaries. Right. Right. But secondly, think about it. They're talking about three percent of the revenue. Of a weed is going to get them between five and say seven hundred fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. That means that there's twenty five million dollars of revenue there. Right. Black people should be getting should be getting the weed, the, the weed dispensaries, right? At least some affirmative action in them, right? Something because that's where the money is. And here's the thing about it. that's all new tax money. They haven't figured out ways to 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 to, to you know to squander that yet. Right. It, 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 if you can get them when it's early, and this is a beautiful body, they never even got that money before, so they won't miss it, right? Take three percent off, give it to us, and this should be the thing we may be pushing for, right? Forget white people paying us what you owe, old money. We'll take it out of the weed, right? Give us the dispensaries right. or the taxes from the, both, hopefully, and we'll just take our weed money and be happy with it. And by the way, our weed, we might want a little weed too. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, look, at this point, it's, it's good to see progress anywhere. Because um, <laughs> I'm still waiting on uh, thank you. Coats and all them to put together a package for Congress. And, <laughs> Who knows when that's coming? Oh, so, man. You think about it. That, the, the crazy thing about it, we looked at Everson um, demographics. It's 65% white town. Mm-hmm. You know, there were, they were middle class, you know, a, a, a fairly, you know, not not rich people, but but certainly, you know, had good median incomes. And 65% white people allowed their city council to do this. Because remember, if you do it in Detroit, that doesn't really help if black people are paying reparations to black people, right? You need to do it so many people right out here, right? And so the nice thing about this is that there was a town, white, a probably white town that said, yeah, we're, we're good with this, right? We'll give you – and here's why. It's not new money. It's 3%. I mean, it's not their money. It's 3% of the weed money. Right. We got to get the weed money, people. That should be our whole thing. I got – we'll figure out something that rhymes. All right, um, you know, black what, crack is whack. No more for blacks. Weed is what we need. Yeah, <laughs> freestyling people, but but you get it right. Um, and the other thing, I guess, in blackness is we could talk about, um, and certainly maybe for weed, because Lamar Jackson, I think, might have been on weed uh, when, during Saturday's game. <laughs> we got we got to give our football predictions before we get out of here. We're down. We started last weekend with. What three of the eight teams had black quarterbacks? 
I just knew we were going to have a black on black Super Bowl. We down to one black quarterback. Right. Well, um, you know, Baltimore losing early really changed a lot for my <clears> bracket. Uh, <laughs> I did not expect it. But I'll tell you this. There's the team that's going to win. There's a team that probably will win. And then there's the team that I want to win. Right. Okay. All right. So well, give me, give me those. I think the team that's going to win is the San Francisco 49ers. Okay. Fair enough. I haven't seen anybody that's going to be capable of stopping them except Baltimore and they're gone. So <laughs> I think the 49ers got this in the bag. The team that should win are the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I don't know if you were paying attention to the game last week. I tuned in right before I got on the road to leave New Jersey. Okay. Tuned in to a game where I saw the Kansas City Chiefs were losing 24 to 0. Right? First quarter. And I'm like, wow, I didn't know the Texans were that good. So I get on the road, I'm driving, I pull over the rest area in Maryland, and when I pull over, I glance at the TV, and somehow the Kansas City Chiefs have scored 51 points. <laughs> And come back and won. And I'm thinking, hold up, this must be a new game. Like, this can't be the same game I saw. And when I when I kept changing the channel and seeing that was actually what the score was, and I'm thinking to myself, wow, so you just got talent to be able to put up 51 points whenever you feel like it. You should win the Super Bowl. There we go. Uh, so that's that. And then there's the team that I want to win. And, I, and this is my secret crush team ever since my Panthers got eliminated. Um, and shout out to Luke Keekley who just retired abruptly tonight, and I'm very sad about that. Right. But, okay, let's need to hit on there. The team that um, I am secretly cheering for is the Tennessee Titans, and I'm secretly cheering for them because during the regular season, I happened to see a game that Tennessee played the week after Ryan Tannehill came over from Miami. Okay. And the the grit that I saw Ryan Tannehill display. Right. And driving his team to win, I thought this is a once in a lifetime performance. Like he's running, taking hits, right. to get touchdowns. As a quarterback, you just don't see that a lot. So I was like, okay, well maybe it's you know just a one game thing. But these these guys, their record was zero and five in week six of the NFL, and they just got on a win and tear, and they have dismantled the Ravens. Right. They have dismantled every team. The Patriots. The Patriots, they are they they are coached by Mike Vrabel, who won championships when he played for the Patriots. Right. And he just has his team in fight mode. Um, and just to see that no matter how many people think their team is going to lose, they keep finding ways to win. That's scrappy to me, and that's what I like to see. In L- let me tell you something, all right? You, all right, are, are – are, thinking about football the wrong way all mm-hmm. i think about football is who got the black quarterback or black coach <laughs> or most black players and and so this is my team all right the, the kansas city chiefs kansas city okay. chiefs gotta take this they got the only mostly black quarterback now he probably only about, I mean, he, 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 he got a little megan marco in him right he ain't that, right, that right, black. Right. <laughs> but he's close enough now if they don't win i'll take san francisco because they got jimmy garoppolo who is not at all black, but he's Italian. And some Italian's close enough, all right? Sometimes Italians <laughs> act like us a lot, so we can go ahead and go with Italians too, all right? I'm going to go with them. Um, but the thing that's going to be interesting is, by the way, you mentioned this. Last week the big story in the NFL was the coaches. 
Mm-hmm. You know, every year we have a new set of coaches, coaches get fired, they have four new replacements to fill. And as you know, the NFL has something interesting called the Rooney Rule. Right. That says if you're going to bring in a coach, a GM, a high-level position, you have to at least interview a person of color. You don't have to give them a job. Right, you don't have to do anything about it, but you got to interview them. And the thought is that eventually, over time, if you're just used to interviewing people of color, you eventually say, "Hey, one of them might be qualified." Right. And that rule has been so kind of effective, and also it's been a model for a number of corporations are starting to try to figure out the Rooney Rule. And last week, it took a hit. There was a little hit in blackness because I think you remember this, but the New York Giants, the New York Football Giants, right, New York. Mm-hmm. The immediate Captain Mecca of the world picked as their quarterback um, a guy who had never been a head coach anywhere on any level, even high school, a guy who was not, by the way, even an NFL coordinator. They picked the wide receiver coach mm-hmm. and, punt and, and special teams coach for the New England Patriots. Now, remember, the New England Patriots this year had the worst wide receivers in the NFL. <laughs> Not exaggerating, all right. <laughs> Couldn't get open at all. Tom, think about it. Well, you can't get open for Tom Brady. All right? Right. You ain't open, right? right. Tom Brady right. can the ball. Right. And, and and the bottom lines it showed that even if right, there's qualifications. Not everybody needs qualifications. Now, if you're black, you need to not only have been a head coach at some major college program or um, an NFL coordinator and all the way up through the ranks, you also need to have played. You notice that also the NFL coaches are all former players? Mm. Because they won't trust you to really understand football unless you played it if you're black. Now, if you're white, you, you can be an accountant. Doesn't really matter, <laughs> right? We figured it out. And it just showed that even in 2019, even when you put rules in place, there's a way for some folks to get around these rules. Well, and by simply saying that, quite you know, they'll say, "Well, you know, we're going to go, oh, you know, what they call it, an unorthodox pick." Yeah, I would love well, for a black man to be able to be unorthodox. Well, I'll, I'll say this. I mean, the the thing about the NFL also is there's a limited pool of people who are, are going to be prime for that head coaching position. Right. And I really get the feeling that New York had put a lot of stock into landing Matt Rule, the coach of Baylor, right, um, as their head coach. True. But Matt Rule just signed a big-ass contract <laughs> with the Carolina Panthers to be our coach. And what, what happened from what we're hearing is, that the owner of the Panthers called Matt Rule while he was still in Texas and was getting ready to go to an interview in New York. And he said, I don't want you to get on the plane. Right. Well, Matt Rule was like, well, I mean, I've already told them I was going to come do the interview. And he was like, I'll give you $70 million. And Matt Rule was like, where do I sign? I don't need it. <laughs> so Matt Rule has $70 million plus full head coaching control to set up his own staff. Right. Coordinators, which he just picked up. You know, if y'all saw LSU won the champ, the college national championship last night, uh, in amazing fashion. And right after that, their defensive coordinator <laughs> just got picked up to be the Carolina Panthers defensive coordinator. So we, <laughs> we are rebuilding. We are coming back. I say all this to say, if you are not a Panthers fan right now, get <laughs> ready to be a big Panthers fan next year because we coming back. And from all everything that we've heard so far from Matt Rule, he says that him and Cam have a great relationship, and it looks like Cam Newton's going to be coming back. So um, I am excited about it. 
Oh. You know, once again, though, even even Matt Rule, and I know two teams were fighting over him, he's an orthodox, unorthodox pick, too. Yes, he, he was the head coach, right, at uh, Baylor, right? right. But uh, I saw the game last night. Baylor wasn't one of those teams. No, they weren't. Uh, Baylor they weren't. wasn't uh, one of the teams in, 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 in the, the bowl. You know, Baylor was, you know, had a decent year. He did a good job with everybody. It's a huge thing. They said, we're going to give you sight unseen. You've never even coached grown men before. You never approached a man, man who had his own car before. And now we're going to give you grown men, like a man who has $100 million, by the way, and let you coach him, and we'll give you $70 million whether it works out or not. Yep. That doesn't happen for a black man, I promise you. Oh, no. we we The person I wanted to be head coach, I can't pronounce his last name. I've been calling him Eric Durant, but it's the offensive offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm. After the game last weekend, (laughs) I really (laughs) want (laughs) that. That's it. They come back and score seventy by right, fifty points, right? He right. can't get a job nowhere, right? right. And, right. and and certainly they wouldn't. They would hired him week to week. We're gonna pay you for four hundred thousand dollars a week, and uh, we'll see you maybe, maybe maybe we'll see you next week maybe. <laughs> they would they would definitely had him on year to year. Certainly not seventy million dollars. You realize what seventy million dollars is? Not just life changing. It's generation changing. Nobody right. with your last name has to work ever again unless somebody develops a very serious crack addiction for a long time. <laughs> because it's hard to run through seventy million dollars. You gotta work it. You gotta you know, you gotta hire Rick James, right, to, to consult it to, to figure out how to blow through that kind of money. Or right? MC Hammer, you gotta hire MC Hammer personally to come over and you know figure out how to run through that kind of money. But most people, you could you could literally your your entire lineal descendants forever. That's the kind of money that is, right? Yeah. And it's like that's made available to 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 you know just any white guy who you know who we have to look at. Two white two teams were fighting over how how to make this guy's family rich forever. Right. And the brother who just led his team in the greatest comeback ever, uh you know, he 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 he, he out there you know getting a summer job. <laughs> Right. I don't know why the Giants didn't pick him. I don't know why the Panthers didn't pick him. I, I, mean, I got a clue. <laughs> well, you might you might be right. I can't say I'm not. But see, now I'm sworn to to protect and defend Matt oh, Rule. Matter he signed a contract. I know exactly. <laughs> I gotta tell you, boy, you yo, good thing they didn't sign Trump. Yo, it has to be real Trump, right? <laughs> if you put on a Panther uniform, <laughs> you can get his big ass in there. But anyway, people. We have had our, we've gone through everything. Um, meet us as always on the end of the Facebook page, um, which is, by the way, some people gave us some topics there. So if you want us to talk about something, certainly come to the Facebook page and tell us, right? We'll, we'll go ahead and try to work it in there. Um, and, um, and certainly what else, what else, Jesse? Well, I just want to make sure it's so a Facebook page. If you're not already a part of it is brothers in law. That's B R U T H A S. N, just the letter N, law, L-A-W. Um, make sure that you follow us, comment, and tell us how you like the show. Make sure you're also still going to Apple and putting up your reviews. Thank you. And give us stars and tell people about us and share on Facebook or all other social media. Uh, and likewise, if you have people who are up and coming um, that you want us to talk to or you think Thank might you. be interested in being on the show, definitely send us a message. Let us know. Um, we might laugh at you, but we'll, we'll at least uh, see what it's all about and evaluate. And we, you, you never know. We might have them on the show. 
Likewise, if you know anybody who's looking to sponsor anything, you can let us know. This is 2020. It's a new year. So I won't hold it against anybody for all the other years that we've had to us without a sponsor. But, you know, uh, you know, things are changing. Now we're a heartbeat away from vice presidency. So, uh, I just wanted to, you know, make sure that you all are following us. Uh, make sure that you all are liking us. Make sure you all are sharing us and make sure you all are interacting with us. Give us your comments, feedback. Uh, so that we can continue to make the show the great show that we know it is. Absolutely, everybody. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.